Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome you to New Hope Church. Those of you at the Friendswood campus, the Alvin campus, the Webster campus, those of you right here at the 288 campus, and of course all of you at the online campus, we are so thrilled that you are in the house today. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it is an honor for me to be sharing with you. My prayer is that your faith would be stretched and strengthened as we study God's Word together. Well, if you are new with us, or if it's been a minute since you've been to church, uh, today is the final week of a lesson series we've been doing called Perhaps Today. And basically what we've been doing is taking a look at God's Word to see what it says concerning the end times. And if you've missed anything, let me encourage you to go to our website or go to our YouTube channel so that you can check out the previous messages because Pastor Tim has been doing a phenomenal job. In fact, at all of our campuses, can we just give Pastor Tim a big round of applause right now? Well, real quick, I want to summarize where we've been over the last few weeks. In week one, we answered the question, why is Jesus coming back? Then in week two, we learned about several of the signs that Jesus said would precede his return. Then last week, we talked about the Antichrist and the final battle between Team Evil and Team Jesus. By the way, spoiler alert, Team Jesus wins. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, we've read the end of the story. We know how it's going to go. Well, today we're going to conclude our series by talking about a subject that sounds bad, but doesn't have to be. Today we're going to be talking about the final judgment. However, before we get to our subject matter, let me remind everybody why we are doing this series. We are not doing this series to scare anyone. Rather, we are doing this series to prepare everyone for the return of Christ. We believe that Jesus is going to return and we need to be ready. We're also not doing this series so that we can discuss and debate all of the details around the rapture, the great tribulation, the final battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist, the one thousand year millennial reign, although those are good things for us to understand and know about. Rather, we're doing this series so that we would live our lives in joyful anticipation of the second coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why we're doing this series. And so the question I want to begin with today would be this, are you ready? Are you prepared for that day. You can think of it this way at all of our campuses by show of hands. Uh, How many of you are planning to take a trip in the very near future? You're gonna be going out of town, hands up, hands up. Okay, oh, a lot of you, very, very, very good. Well, if you are planning to take a trip, chances are good you're going to have to pack a bag. And as far as I can tell, there are two types of packers in the world, okay? Two types of packers, all right? (laughs) The reason I say that is because the way my wife Irene packs for a trip, 
totally different than the way that I pack for a trip. Let, let me explain what I mean. Anytime we're going to take a trip, uh, day, days before we leave on the trip, my, my wife Irene will begin to make piles all around the bedroom. You, you know, there'll be piles of shoes and piles of shorts and piles of shirts and piles of beauty products and hair appliances. She'll have all these piles of things that she wants to take with her, right? Then she'll drag out a suitcase and slowly and systematically she'll begin to move those piles into the suitcase, all right? My point is she gets an early start. So by show of hands, where are my early packers in the room? Don't, don't, yeah, don't be shy. Get them up, all right. Oh, oh woo, wow, a lot of you. All right, very good. Well, uh, good for you. We love each and every one of you, but at the opposite end of the spectrum are people like me, okay? I don't get started days in advance. No, 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 no. I wait until the day we're leaving. Sometimes, thank you, they're my people, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I won't even start packing until about an hour before. And this is what I, I just grab a bag and I throw some shoes in, some shorts in, some shirts in, some underwear in. Then I drag my bag into the bathroom and I just take my arm and just scoot it across the countertop of the, you know, so I get my toothbrush and my deodorant, my cologne, everything that makes me look good because you know your boy's got to look good, you know. So I scrape all that in and zip it up, throw my bag on the bed, done, like 10 minutes minutes, right? Like no stress, no mess. So where are my last minute packers in the room? Yes, very, very good. <laughs> well, in my opinion, the best way to pack is the, is the way that I pack, waiting till the last minute. But uh, waiting till the last minute to pack is, is fine for a trip, but, but not always. it's not fine if, if you're waiting for the return of Jesus. If you're packing for, waiting to the last minute is not good if you're w waiting on the return of Jesus. Why, why do I say that? Well, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus, all right? We're going to start with uh, Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. I'm going to put the verse on the screen, but I'm going to read it from my Bible. This is what Jesus says. Behold, I'm coming like a what? A thief, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes close by so that he will not have to go naked and be exposed to shame. Now, just to be clear, I believe that Jesus is speaking metaphorically here. There are no physical bags that we need to pack before he returns, but we do need to be ready. We need to do everything spiritually speaking so that we are ready when Jesus shows up. The problem is, I believe that many people prepare for the return of Christ the way that I prepare for vacation. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Many, many people say, say I, I know that Jesus is coming again, but uh, I've got plenty of time. I, I know Jesus is returning eventually, but I'll just, I'll just worry about it when he gets here. However, Jesus encourages us to do what? He says, hey, hey, you need to keep your clothes close by. You can't wait to the last minute. You, be, you better pack your bags now and be ready for the return of Jesus. And just so that we don't miss his point, he, Jesus actually repeats this idea several times throughout the book of Revelation. In fact, in the final chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus repeats this idea three times. And you better believe if Jesus says something three times in the final chapter of the entire Bible, it's probably kind of important. Now, I'm not going to read all three to you. You can read those on your own. I am going to read one to you. This is what it says, Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Again, the words of Jesus. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. 
Now, as you can see by the highlighted words in the text, that Jesus makes two promises to each and every one of us. First, Jesus promises, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. And when I read that, I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I, I, w- I wish he would. <laughs> you know, I wish he would come soon because the last year or two have been kind of crazy. I'm kind of tired and things don't seem like they're getting any better. And so I, I wish he would come soon and take us all home. Wish he would come soon. But just so you know, for centuries, there have been people who thought that Jesus would return in their lifetimes or close to it, and yet it did not happen. Let me give you some examples from history. We're going all the way back to 110 AD. In the year 110 AD, just 40 years after the destruction of the temple, a man by the name of Ignatius, who was a leader in the church, there was persecution that had broke out against the church. Things were bad. They were looking ugly. This is what he says. The last days are upon us. So weigh carefully the times. Look for him who is above all time, eternal and invisible. Of course, we know Jesus did not return in the year 110 AD, which is why about 120 years later, in the year 236 AD, there was a man named Hippolytus. He made a similar comment. He said this, Christ is sure to return by 500 AD. I mean, not like in my lifetime, but very, very quickly, he's going to become in 500. Of course, Jesus didn't come in the year 500 AD, which is why a thousand years later, the great reformer, Martin Luther, said this, we have reached the time of the white horse of the apocalypse. This world will not last any longer than another hundred years. But of course, we know that Martin Luther was not correct. The year 1600 has come and gone. And so here's a really, really good question. If Jesus said, I am coming soon, what did he mean by that? I mean, because it's been like 2,000 years since he made this promise. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I'm coming soon? Well, to answer that question, we need to do a word study on, on the word soon. Okay, now if you go back to the original language, the Greek, what you find out is this word soon. It comes from the Greek word. It's translated from the Greek word taku. Everybody say taku. Gazoon type. Uh, <laughs> but that, that Greek word, taku, it's actually not a noun. Instead, it's an adverb. Any English majors in the room? Okay? It's not a noun, it's an adverb, meaning it does not refer to a duration of time. Instead, it's a description of time. In other words, soon doesn't tell us when Jesus is going to return. It tells us how Jesus is going to return. So how will Jesus return? Well, the Bible tells us over and over again, he's going to return quickly, suddenly, unexpectedly, like a thief which is why we have to be ready at a moment's notice, bringing us to the second promise. The first promise, I am coming soon. The second promise, I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now, Jesus doesn't say it in so many words, but do you know what Jesus is talking about right here? He's talking about the final judgment. That's what he's talking about. He's he's talking about that day when you and I will stand before him to give an account for our lives. And I believe that the reason Jesus repeats himself three times in the last chapter of the Bible, that he's coming soon, that you've got to be ready, is because he understands the stakes are so much higher on that day than we could ever, ever imagine. So what will Judgment Day be like? Well, what I want to do for the rest of our time is share with you several observations from Scripture about the final judgment. Several observations about judgment. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, but this would be observation number one. Everyone will be judged. Every single one of us will be 
judge. Now, I don't think anyone likes to be judged, which is why for years you might hear people say uh, something like this. Uh, you, you can't judge me. Okay, you can't judge me. And oftentimes that phrase will be followed by another phrase that goes something like this. You, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Have you heard anybody say this before? Well, we don't have time to talk about the importance of personal responsibility and group accountability, but the reality is someday God is going to judge every single one of us. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 describes it like this. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. After that comes judgment. Now, in, in preparation for this lesson, I, I did a lot of research, looked at a lot of studies, and studies are very conclusive on this, but studies show that one out of every one person on planet Earth will die. <laughs> Don't want to burst anybody's bubble today, but studies are very conclusive, okay? You're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. Of course, no one really likes to talk about this. Uh, we don't like to think about this, but at some point, death is guaranteed for every one of us unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, which is possible. It could happen. We don't know. We don't want to speculate, but if he doesn't return in our lifetime, he, if he tarries another 100 or 1,000 years, then, then all of us are destined to die at least once. But listen to me, just because you die doesn't mean that's the end, which is why the author of Hebrews reminds us that after death comes what? Judgment. Now, the word judgment doesn't bring up a lot of positive emotions with most people. I know when I think about the word judgment, I don't get all warm and fuzzy inside. In fact, it, it takes me back to my childhood, okay? It takes me back to something that my mom would say to me like every once in a while, very rarely, uh, but sometimes my mom would say this, these, these six words, wait until your father gets home, okay? Wait. <laughs> and th those words would just strike dread and fear inside of me because I knew when mom said, wait until your father comes home, what she meant was judgment's coming, okay? Punishment is coming. And so when she would say those words to me, I would start praying that my dad would be having a good day at work, you know? I'd be praying that my dad would be in a good mood and I would pray that he would be having a good day and that he would be in a good mood because my hope was that he would arrive home feeling gracious and merciful and that there would be no punishment when he found out what I did. Unfortunately, that never happened at the David's house, okay? There was always judgment followed by swift punishment, right? Uh, I always got exactly what I deserved. But I'll be honest with you, there were some times that I didn't get what I deserved. And those were the times that my parents didn't find out about the bad things that I had done. <laughs> And mom and dad, if you're watching, we don't have to talk about what you don't know about, okay? Oh my goodness, what happened in my childhood stays in my childhood, okay? That's, that's it. So, so our earthly parents, they're, they're not like our heavenly father. You know, there's some things that they don't notice, but nothing goes beyond the notice of God. In fact, listen to the words found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. It says this, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this, this verse, it, it freaks me out just a little bit. I, I, actually, this verse freaks me out 
a lot because I'm not sure that I want God to bring every hidden thing from my past into judgment. I'm not sure I want God to bring all my past business onto Front Street. It could get ugly. It could be messy for me. You know what I'm talking about? Won't go well for me. And I'm guessing that you kind of feel the same way. You, you, you don't want all of your junk out there for everybody to see, God to see, for him to expose it. My guess is you don't, you don't want that because it could be messy and it could be ugly for you as well. But let me encourage you today, it doesn't have to be that way. And the reason I say that is because of observation number two. Yes, everyone will be judged, but number two, not everyone will be judged the same. Not, not everyone will be judged the same. Now, for years, I did not know this, but the Bible mentions two judgments. How many, how many judgments does the Bible mention? Two. Very good. And at the end of your life, you're going to face one judgment or the other. So what are they? What are the two judgments? Well, the first judgment is what the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And we read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, which says, this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive compensation. I want you to circle that word or underline that word, put a star by because I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. Each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, most scholars believe, and I agree, that this judgment seat of Christ is for believers. It's for followers of Jesus. In other words, this judgment is not to determine whether or not a person spends eternity in heaven or hell. That's already been decided. But just so that we are on the same page, let me give you book, chapter, and verse to back that up. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So, so the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with salvation. So, so if it's got nothing to do with salvation, then, then what's it all about? Well, the judgment seat of Christ is like an award ceremony recon, recognizing believers for all the good works that they did while they are on earth. This is like the Oscars or the Emmys or the Dove Awards, okay? It's a, it's a reward ceremony for believers once they get before Jesus. And here's why we can believe that. The, the, the phrase that's translated judgment seat right here, it actually comes from the Greek word bima. Everybody say bima. Man, you're learning so much today. So the, the Bema seat, what is that? Well, it is a judgment seat, but it's not the judgment seat found in a courtroom where a judge sits to issue a verdict of guilt or innocence on the accused. That, that's not the kind of judgment seat we're talking about. So the Bema seat would be located at a sporting venue, and it's where the judge sits to issue awards after the games are complete. For example, if a runner competes in a race and finishes in first place, then the the judge who sits on the Bema seat would say congratulations to that runner and hand them a first place crown. Of course, second place would receive a second place crown, third place would receive a third place crown, so on and so forth. But the point is the Bema seat had nothing to do with punishment, it had everything to do with rewards. Well, in the same way, the judgment seat of Christ is not about receiving punishment from God, instead it's about receiving rewards from God. Anyone looking forward to that day? Tell you what, if, if you got children, if, if you're a parent, you, you get this because anytime your child receives an award or anytime your child may have received an award in the past, 
uh, you, you, you've experienced what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. We, we have uh, five kids uh, in my household, five kids in my household. They're, they're all grown up now. None, none of them are in high school. But over the years, they, they received all kinds of awards. And we have most of them, I think, still at the house. But they, they received awards for perfect attendance in school. They received awards for academic excellence in, in school. We didn't get a whole lot of those, but we got some, okay? Uh, the, then there were, other, there were other trophies that they got, like baseball trophies and wakeboarding trophies and track trophies. And for me, it never really mattered what the award was about. Didn't matter what it was for. I was, I was always just overwhelmed with this sense of pride as, as I noticed that other people recognized good things about my kids. As they were successful and would receive awards, I would just get all excited and prideful about it. And I know that they felt the same way too. Well, well that's, that's how the judgment seat of Christ is going to be for believers. It's going to be just like that. So, so imagine how your heavenly father is going to look at you or how he's going to feel about you as his son Jesus stands face to face with you and begins to reward you for every good thing that you've ever done in your time on earth. Every time you befriended the lonely, every time you spoke a kind word, every time you gave generously to advance the kingdom, every time you drove someone to work, every time you prayed with someone, every time you shared your faith with somebody who needed to hear the good news, over and over again, Jesus is going to look you in the eyes and he is going to say these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, that day is not going to be a horrible day. It's not going to be a frightening day. It's going to be the most amazing and humbling moment of your life. So let me ask you a second time, are you ready for that day? I hope that you are. Currently, I'm a part of a men's life group called the Barn Brothers. Uh, they're wearing t-shirts today. They may be in the, in the house someplace, but <laughs> looks like there's one Barn Brother. <laughs> Anyway, this is an amazing group of guys uh, because they're, just, they're on fire for the Lord, but in particular when it comes to serving others. They've, they've got micro missions and service projects planned all the time. I'm constantly getting emails about somebody in need that we can help, and there's homeless downtown that we can go serve. And so it, these guys just blow me away. Well, about a week ago, we're having a conversation in our life group meeting, and the, the concern was that we don't have enough participation. And so, so the concern was, or the question was, should we do more service projects or should we do less? Because we want to get everybody involved. We want everybody to participate. And we know that we got a lot going on. So, so should we do more? Should we do less? And to a person, every guy said, we should continue to do more, not less. And I, I was so proud of those guys in that moment and just so thankful in that moment because I thought, these guys get it, man. They, they get it. Not only are they blessing others with their actions, with the blessings that God has given them, not only are they demonstrating their, their love for God in a practical way so that people can, can be pointed and directed toward God, but these guys are actually creating opportunities for themselves to receive crowns from Jesus someday. They're, they're creating opportunities every single month so that someday they're going to stand before Jesus and they're going to hear those words over and over again, well done, good and faithful servant. I saw that. I saw that. Well done, good and faithful servant. And listen, if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, that's exactly how you should be living your life. Your life should be marked by service. And can I just remind everybody 
that there will be no participation trophies in heaven. God, God don't do no participation trophies, okay? We do down here, but God doesn't do it up there, okay? In other words, we're, we're not going to be judged for what we could have done, what we should have done, what we would have done. We're not, uh-uh. not going to be rewarded for those things. We're, we're only going to be rewarded for the things that we did do while we are on earth. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, my challenge to you is live your life in such a way today that when you stand before Jesus, you hear those words over and over, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, honestly, I think that most people do see themselves at the judgment seat of Christ, but the Bible describes a second judgment called the great white throne of judgment, and it's, it's not going it, to be pretty. Now, we read about the great white throne of judgment in Revelation 20, starting with verse 11. It says this. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. Why did they flee? Because it's a horrible experience to be standing in front of a holy God. That's why. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. What does that mean? Well, some famous people and some not so famous people are going to be there. They're going to be standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book, books of, in the, in the books, in the books. Now there's a lot going on here. But let me just summarize it by saying this, this judgment is not for believers. It's for non-believers. And the reason I say that is because they're described as the dead. They're, they're dead. The text goes on to tell us that, that God is present. There are several books that are going to be open. But listen to me, the only book that matters is the book of life. Why, why do I believe that? Well, because Scripture goes on to give us this incredible warning in verse 15. It says this, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So anyone who's not a believer, anyone who's not a follower of Jesus, anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life will spend eternity in darkness and torment separated from God in a place called hell. Now, I'm not trying to scare anyone today, but, but you need to know that sin is serious, serious business to God. And if you're, if you're new to church and you're, you're here and you're listening to this, you're, you're thinking, wait, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense because I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, when I look back at my life, I've certainly done more good things than I've done bad things, so I'm not really worried about judgment day because I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And, and let me just say with all the love I can, you, you, you probably are a good person, but scripture says that when we stand before a holy God and we compare ourselves to his righteous standard, that none of us are worthy, that all of us deserve judgment and all of us deserve death. But, but, but here's the thing that's so cool. God, God knows this about us. And so he has put a plan in place to rescue us and to save us from his judgment. At the Davis house, we have a dog. His name is Arnold. That's a picture. He's pretty cute from your reaction. He's pretty cute, right? Don't let the picture fool you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He looks cute, but, but Arnold is a bad dog. Okay, he's a, he's a bad dog. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you all the bad things that he has done, but like, I'm going to share one with you, okay? So recently, we're going out to dinner, and uh, so it's around 5.30, and, and the whole family is lined up by the door. We open the door. We're trying to go out the door to get in the car. Get, guess what Arnold does? Now, he's not supposed to, okay? But he decides to take this opportunity to escape from the house. And so he darts between our legs. He goes out into the front yard. We run out into the front yard, try and grab him. But, but he, he thinks it's playtime. And so he sprints to the end, end of the street. And I'm thinking, well, we can't leave him out here, you know, and we can't stay home because we're hungry. We got to go get something to eat. So what are we going to do? Well, uh, we got to go catch him. So we, we take off running after Arnold and I, I get real close to Arnold and I start to reach down and grab Arnold. You know what he does? He run, you got the same dog at your house. <laughs> so, oh man, exactly. He takes off running, but he doesn't run out of sight. He just runs a little ways off so he can look back at me. And so I chase after him. I'm getting close. I'm about to grab him. He takes off again. So I run after him, uh, get close to him. I'm just about to grab him. He runs off again. We're, we're going over, you know, several minutes of this, several blocks of this. We're a long ways from home. And, and I don't mind telling you guys that there was a piece of me that thought, you know what? If that dog runs, wants to run away... He can just keep on running because he's a ba- <laughs> he's a bad dog anyway, right? Like <laughs> he, if he was a good dog, I, but he's a bad dog. And so if he if he was in, there with the, in that moment, there was a piece of me that also understood uh, 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 there ain't no way Arnold is going to survive on the cold, hard streets of Pearland, Texas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't I can't just leave this dog out there. And so because we love Arnold. And because we care about Arnold, you know what we did? We kept chasing after Arnold several more minutes. But finally, something happened. He, he stopped running. He allowed us to catch him and take him home. Now, you may be wondering, uh, I thought we were talking about the great white throne of judgment. What, what, is, uh, what does Arnold have to do with the great white throne? of? Here, here it is. We're all bad dogs. Some of us a little worse than others, you know what I'm saying? But we are all bad dogs. And so what we deserve is God's judgment. We deserve God's punishment. But here's what's amazing about Jesus. Jesus, who is the Son of God, left heaven to come after us because he loves us. And even though you were far from perfect, Jesus said, I'm going to take your place on the cross. I'm going to take the judgment you deserve. I'm going to take on the punishment that you deserve so that you can be forgiven. And when you come to a place where you recognize who you are, a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and when you call out on the name of Jesus, Scripture promises that you will be saved, that your name will be written in the book of life. You will not spend eternity in hell separated from God. Instead, you'll spend eternity in heaven with God. You should be getting excited about that and giving him a big round of applause for all he's done. But it's up to you. You got to decide that I'm ready to go home, which brings us to the final observation. Here it is. Number three, you can choose the judgment you face. You you can choose the judgment you face. Take, Take a look at John chapter 5, verse 24, it says this, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have what? Eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now this, this week is baptism celebration week at New Hope Church, and I got to tell you, I, I never get tired of watching people go public 
with their faith. We're going to do that after third service today at all of our campuses. And I just love it because people make this line in the sand where, where, where they're acknowledging that I'm starting my relationship with God. And so they, they get baptized. And, and one of the things that I'll often say to people, you know, when they come up out of the water, I'll, I'll come to them and I'll say, that, that's the best decision that you'll ever make. That's the best decision that you'll ever make. And the reason I say that is because I believe it. It's true. It is the best decision that they will ever make. But what I want people to know is that it's not just the best decision that you'll ever make because Jesus is going to help you with some of your problems in this life, although he will. But the reason it's the best decision that you'll ever make is because Jesus solved the greatest problem for all of eternal life. You see, without Jesus, we are condemned. Without Jesus, we are destined to death. But with Jesus, we will never be condemned and we will never face death. But here's the deal. It's your decision. It's your choice. Great example of this can be found in the New Testament. At the end of Jesus' life, he's being crucified on a cross between two criminals. The crowd is mocking Jesus, they're insulting Jesus, hurling insults at Jesus. The two criminals are doing exactly the same thing. They're shouting at Jesus, hey, if you're the son of God, if you're the Messiah, if you can do miracles, why don't you save yourself? And while you're at it, why don't you save us? And so for a great length of time, the crowd is just piling on Jesus, piling on Jesus. But, but, but there was a moment of clarity for one of the criminals. There, there was a moment of faith for one of the criminals, criminals when he recognized who Jesus was. When it finally dawned on him and he could see who Jesus was, that he really was who he claimed to be. And so he, he shouts to the other criminal and he says, hey, listen. We're, we're dying for something that we deserve. We're, we're paying the penalty for our past mistakes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus these words, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Two men, two decisions, which led to two different judgments. Now, the reason I'm sharing that story with you is because it's a powerful reminder that God doesn't force himself on anyone, but praise God, he's willing to accept everyone regardless of what you have done in the past. The best part is that he has done everything possible to rescue us and save us from sin and darkness, yes. And all we have to do is believe, put our faith and trust in Jesus and surrender to him. So let me ask you one final time, are you ready? for that day. Why don't you stand? I know uh, that today's topic may be difficult for some of you, so let me remind you of the observations. Everyone will be judged. Not everyone will be judged the same, uh, but you can choose which judgment that you face. I know in a room this size that we've got probably two groups of people. There's a group that's already made this decision. They, they've already put their faith and trust in Jesus, and their name is already written in the book of life. And if that's you, praise God for you. I'm, I've got a little bit more to share with you in just a minute, but let me speak to the group that maybe hasn't made that decision today. The truth, truth is we only get one life. Judgment is coming, but you can make the decision today 
that you're going to receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that God offers. And so we're going to have prayer partners once the service is over. And I'm going to encourage you, if that's you, don't, don't wait any longer. Don't, don't wait till the last minute to make this decision. Make that decision today. Let, let our prayer partners uh, lead you through that decision. For, for, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, your name is in the book of life. I, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you this week. Evaluate how you live your life. Ask yourself, am I living for today or am I living for that day? Am I, am I living for, for what I can get out of what I do or, or, or am I living to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant? This week, there's going to be opportunities come your way where you can serve, where you can show God's love to others. I'm going to challenge you to step into those opportunities. I'm going to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and be a servant of the Lord. If you're here for any reason that you need prayer today, don't forget prayer partners up front, come, come down front. We'd love to pray with you, but let me go ahead and uh, close this out in a word of prayer. Let's bow. God, we're just so thankful for your word. And man, today's subject was so tough uh, for many of us, but it's so hopeful as well. We, we know that judgment is coming someday, but we, we are so thankful and so grateful that it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be the greatest thing. And so I, I pray that if there's anyone here today that still needs to make that decision, cross over the line of faith, that your spirit would touch them today, that they would make that decision today, that they would move today, that they wouldn't wait to the last minute. For the rest of us, I pray that we would walk out of this place on fire, ready to live our lives for you, ready to, ready to embrace you someday as we face you at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus, I want to say thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thanks for making it possible for us to spend eternity with you. And so it's in your name that I pray and ask all these things. And all God's people said, amen. amen. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.